Welcome back to The Scoop on Life. Uh, Lauren joining you today, and we have been MIA for a while. Um, We moved, and we have been redoing a house, and so we have not had a space um, to record new podcasts, and so it feels like it's been forever since I have recorded, and so I'm excited. Um, We have sort of our studio slash office space set up, and so... um, I've still been reading and learning and um, trying to find new artists and um, podcasts and hosts and different things to continue to learn and educate um, ourselves on different life issues and still been talking with people and um, seeking to make good connections. And I've been reading several books um, the last few months, but one book I recently read Um, mentioned Emmett Till and his story. And I had heard um, Emmett Till's story from when we had talked with Scott Klusendorf before on the podcast. And just the more I thought about this story, the more I wanted to share it with you all. And um, as I mentioned, Scott Klusendorf has joined us on the podcast before, and we've referenced um, a lot of his work, a lot of his articles. And he wrote The Case for Life, which is just a really very detailed, um, thorough book on life and how to defend it. Definitely recommend that book. Um, and I believe in The Case for Life, he shares Emmett's story. Um, and so I'm just going to read this um, excerpt from The Case for Life about Emmett Till and um, encourage you to just listen closely. And it's a really interesting story about how um, his story really led to... Um, launch the civil rights movement in America. And so this is, again, from um, The Case for Life by Scott Klusendorf, a story about uh, Emmett Till. It says, in 1955, Emmett Till, a 14-year-old black youth, traveled from Chicago to visit his cousins in the town of Money, Mississippi. Upon arrival and visiting with his family, he bragged about his white girlfriend back in Chicago. This was surprising to his cousin and to the cousin's friends because blacks in Mississippi during the 50s didn't even make eye contact with whites, let alone date them. Both actions were considered disrespectful. Later that day, Emmett, his cousin, and a small group of black males entered Bryant's store where, egged on by other males, 14-year-old Emmett flirted with a 21-year-old white married woman behind the counter. After purchasing candy, he either whistled at her or said something mildly flirtatious. Reports vary. The cousins and the others warned him that he was in for trouble. A few days later at 2 a.m., Emmett was taken at gunpoint from his uncle's home by the clerk's husband and another man. After savagely beating him, they killed him with a single bullet to the head. Emmett's bloated corpse was found three days later in the Tallahatchie River. A cotton gin fan had been shoved over his head and tied with barbed wire. His face was partially crushed and beaten, almost beyond recognition. The local sheriff placed Emmett's body in a sealed coffin and shipped it back to his mother in Chicago. When Mamie Till got the body, she made a stunning announcement. There would be an open casket funeral for her son Emmett. People protested and reminded her how much this action would upset everyone who saw. Mamie agreed, but she countered, There is no way I could describe what I saw in that box. No way, and I want the world to see what they did to my boy. The photo of Emmett's mangled body in that open casket was published in Jet Magazine, and it helped launch the civil rights movement in America. Time later selected one of the photographs showing Mamie Till over the mutilated body of her dead son as one of the hundred most influential images of all time. 
For almost a century, African Americans were lynched with regularity. Thanks to Mamie Till's determination to expose the barbarousness of this crime, the public could no longer pretend to ignore what they couldn't see. Three months later in Montgomery, Alabama, Rosa Parks refused to go to the back of a bus when ordered to do so. She said the image of Emmett Till gave her the courage to stand her ground. And then Scott Klusendorf goes on to make an application. He says it's time for pro-life Christians to open the casket on abortion. We should do it lovingly but truthfully. We should do it in our churches during worship services, comforting those who grieve with the gospel of forgiveness. We should do it in our Christian high schools and colleges, combining visuals with a persuasive defense of the pro-life view that's translatable to non-Christians. But open the casket we must. Until we do, Americans will continue continue tolerating an injustice they never have to look at. And we've talked about this before. We talked about this with John Enzor. John Enzor also um, talked about this, opening the casket on abortion, that we need images. We need the graphics of what happens when abortion takes place. Those who advocate for abortion need to see it. Those who are in pro-life ministry need to see it. Those who are um, in medical settings need to see it. Every every person needs to see it. We need to see the blood and, and the limbs and the lifeless body left after an abortion. Um, on, and that's when the truth will be seen, that unborn humans are, are being murdered in a, in a grotesque and, and violent way. Um, every single person needs to be exposed to what abortion actually is and actually does. They, they need to see it. Um, Scott, Scott also says, when it comes to moral persuasion, many times images of death work better than images of life. And that's so true. And so I, w- I would encourage you again as our listeners to, to look it up, see what it is, see what abortion procedures can be done when in a pregnancy um, know, you know, what, know what the procedures are. Know again, when they can be done, let it move you to grieve over what God grieves over. Let it move you to grieve over this huge injustice that's being done in our country to the unborn. Um, and I would encourage you to let it, let it move you to action. You know, many years ago it was, it was slavery. It was racial injustice. It was then the Holocaust. It was saying a certain group of people were not worthy to live. Um, today it's abortion. Tomorrow it might be something we don't even know of yet. And so I think just as Mamie Till um, did with her mutilated son, which ultimately started the civil rights movement, we, we need to open the casket on abortion. We need to look at it for what it is. We need to show it for what it is. We need to talk about it for what it is so that the whole world can see um, the indefensible injustice that abortion is doing daily all over the world. And especially as Christians, we have to let it move us to lament, um, to repent over our sin, the sin of our country, and, and ask God to help us. How can we, how can we bring to light um, the injustice of abortion? And how can we do it in a way that's winsome, um, that draws people into the gospel? How can we minister to the gospel to those who have chosen abortion? How do we show them that there's hope and there's forgiveness and that that's who God is? And so I would encourage you, know know what abortion is. Know the procedures. Know what's done. Look at it. Open the casket on it. Um, Open it for other people. And by God's grace, we will continue to fight it and um, we will continue to expose it again for the injustice it is.